chief cornerstone. La Alpha y la Omega. The Almighty. The Son of God. Great physician. The hope of the world. The provider. The true vine. The Lord. The shepherd. Jesus. The truth. The counselor. The Lamb of God. The word. Jesus. The way. The promise. The door. The apostle. The redeemer. The creator. Jesus. 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 Jesus the Christ. Anybody grateful for the name of the Lord? Amen. So glad to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Grab your Bibles and turn with me. Um, uh, just turn with me all over is where we're just going to go. Just, just keep flipping. Just keep flipping. We're just going to be a little bit everywhere today. Uh, we'll probably land in Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, the end of this message. We're, we're in a series entitled Jesus. I want to reintroduce you to the man who changes everything. How many of you know that to be true this morning? Well, that was on the verge of pitiful. How many of you know that to be true this morning? He is the man that changes everything. Um, my name, my, I'm good, thank you this morning. My, my name, given to me by my mother, and I don't know why, but she did it, hallelujah. My name is Glendon, yes, I said it, Glendon Joseph Walters. And that quickly, the rapture could come. <laughs> and I thought some of you were dead, but I know you're alive now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I just about wet myself. And I'm not talking about sweat. Hallelujah. And so um, my, my name is, maybe I'm not supposed to tell you my name. Uh, my name, my name given to me by my mother and my father is Glendon Joseph Walters. Glendon. Um, it means, the name Glendon actually means warrior from the woods. Uh, that's why you'll see a lot of neighborhoods say Glen something, Glen this or whatever. Um, warrior from the woods. Joseph obviously is a, is a name that you see in the Bible. Um, it, it's my given name. It's, it's my given name. Um, we, we're on the series of the Christ today is what I want to talk about. And my given name is Glendon Joseph Walters, but most people know me as Glenn. Uh, Glenn Walters. Um, uh, here, people call me uh, PG. Um, back in my day, they called me G-Dub. Uh, I got a little G-Dog every once in a while. Uh, G-W uh, in college. My, my mother would call me son. Unless I was in trouble, then it was Glendon Joseph Walters. That lets you know that with every syllable, I was probably going to get smacked. Glendon Joseph Walters. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. She would beat me in a circle according to syllables. I told you, don't you ever do that. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Do you? See, y'all give spankings and y'all give timeouts and my mama gave concussions. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm known here by, by pastor, I'm known here by PG, but my given name is Glendon Joseph Walters. Hang with me here. But when you call me pastor, what you're doing is you're calling me according to the role or the responsibility that I, that I have. Jesus' last name is not Christ. Okay? His last name is not Christ. It's not Joseph Christ. It's not Mary Christ. 
It's not Jesus Christ in terms of his last name. The, the name Christ is actually the role, the responsibility in which he plays. Last week we talked about the name of Jesus, that it means three things, that he, he, his name was given to him to save, to deliver, and to rescue. How many people this morning are glad he saved, he rescued, and he delivers? Amen. And so my, my responsibility when you call me Pastor Glenn or PG or whatever, what you're doing is you're grouping my person with my role and my responsibility. So you're not saying that, that you want just the relational side of me, but you're also acknowledging the responsibility side of who I am. And when we say Jesus Christ, what we're doing is we're saying, yes, we acknowledge you are Savior, and we acknowledge that you are a deliverer, and we acknowledge that you are a rescuer, but we're grouping your responsibility along with it, Jesus Christ. That it's not just about personal, it's also about the responsibility, the role in which you get to play in my life. This word Christ is an interesting word. And and it, it, it's echoed in the Old Testament with Messiah. I'm going to teach a little bit this morning, and we'll sweat at the end, okay? Everybody okay? I'm, I'm going to teach you this morning. I want you to understand. I want you to have a working knowledge. I love the windfall, the, the hurricane power of the preaching. But every once in a while, you need the slow drip of teaching to be able to really grasp the concepts. So I'm going to spend some time teaching today um, more than preaching this morning. And, and this word Christ is echoed in the Old Testament as the word Messiah. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 1, verse 41, I believe it is, Andrew looks at the people and they say, look, this is the Messiah, which is translated Christ. This is the one that we have been looking for. And, and in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word Christ is New Testament. The word Messiah is Old Testament, but they both mean the same thing. And what it means is the anointed one empowered by God to carry out the purpose of God the Father. That when you see the word Christ, when you see the word Messiah, it means that Jesus is the anointed one who has been empowered by God to carry out the purpose of God, specifically the Father. That, that Christ is the role of being chosen. Christ is the role of being empowered by God for his unique and anointed purpose. And listen, if you don't understand the Messiah and the Christ, you're never going to understand the Old Testament. The Old Testament will make no sense to you. I'm giving you some theological terms today, Christ and Messiah. But what this is all throughout the Old Testament, they, they describe this as the messianic hope. Hang with me here. It's the messianic hope. In other words, from the moment of the Old Testament in the beginning where man failed, you see this term called the messianic hope that is threaded throughout the entire Old Testament from, from Genesis all the way to Malachi. Malachi, Malachi if you're Italian, okay? From, from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the end, you're going to see this thread of the messianic hope that the people of God are looking for the Messiah. They're looking for the one who has been anointed, the one who has been empowered, the one who has been chosen. Hang with me now. The one who has been anointed, the one who has been chosen, and the one who has been empowered to bring redemption to the earth. 
Mm. Here we go. All throughout the Old Testament, you see this concept. Watch this. The messianic hope of the Old Testament is threaded throughout the entire Old Testament. The messianic hope is, is this thread throughout the entire Old Testament. Generation after generation throughout the Old Testament is looking for the Messiah to return. They're looking for the one that is going to establish the kingdom of God right here in the earth. It is the messianic hope. Watch this. All of the festivals of the Old Testament all point to the messianic hope. All of the prayers of the Old Testament point to the messianic hope. All of the sermons and the prophecies that you see, even the sacrifices, and the tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon, all of them are pointing to this messianic hope. As a matter of fact, almost every single battle that you see happening in the Old Testament is this war for the people of God that are fighting for the prophecies to be fulfilled, the traditions and, and the captivities and even the plagues, are all, even the famines, they're all pointing to this one moment where Messiah, the anointed one who has been chosen and empowered to bring the kingdom of God into the earth to be revealed right there in their life. It started, watch this, this messianic hope started in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 verse number 15. As, as God is issuing the curses because of the failure of Adam and Eve, and he's issuing the curses, look at what he says, but even in the midst of the curse, there's going to come a day when the seed of the woman will be revealed. Think about this. There is no woman in history that has seed produced in her. All throughout anatomy, bio biology, it is the seed of a man that is put on the inside of a woman. And that is what creates conception, and that is what happens with the birthing of a child. But even in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the messianic hope is initiated that there is going to come the seed of a woman. In other words, a man is not going to be involved with what this birthing is going to happen. And so he's declaring, he's prophesied, he's initiating the messianic hope that there's going to come a day when there will be a seed on the inside of a woman and it will bruise the head of the serpent and his heel will be bruised as well. And I want you to know that it pointed to the birth of the Messiah and no man would be involved in conception, but it would all, all completely be God that would be revealed. We see this validated in Matthew chapter one. I told you we're Bible studying for a minute. I'm going to teach for a minute. We're we see this validated in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter number one, where you see in Matthew chapter one, the legal lineage of David. This is where Joseph was a part and he was involved. He was a part of the line of David, but he was not involved in the conception of Jesus, but because of birthright. He was in alignment with David to fulfill prophecy. And then you see in Luke chapter 3, they're giving you the genealogy of Jesus as it relates to Mary, who was by birth given over. So here he is in legal right and also in biological right as being in the lineage of David. Watch this. Christ, it means the anointed one. It means the anointing. Everywhere you see the word Christ, what you're seeing is the anointed. So Jesus, the anointed one. That Jesus, the, the representation, the embodiment of that anointing that has come in through messianic hope to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. Christ, and everywhere Christ is, you will see the anointing come on Jesus 
to establish the, the kingdom of God on the earth. Hold that with you. Because there's only three places in the Bible where you see an anointing take place. By, by way of anointing, you will see people step into positions. And there's only three positions in the Bible where you see them be anointed for the positions. No, number one, um, Christ is our prophet. The three are, are, are prophets, priests, and kings. That's where we're going this morning. That Jesus was the anointed prophet, he was the anointed priest, and he was the anointed king. Number one, Christ, the anointed one, he is our prophet. In other words, he is the proclaimer of God's opinion about any given situation. That when the prophet comes on the scene, they come in and they say, thus saith the Lord. When Jesus took on Christ, when he became the anointed one, the messianic hope was revealed. He became the one that became the spokesperson. He became the mouthpiece of God the Father right here in earth. And he began to say, thus saith the Lord. Let me prove it to you in the text in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and, and John, uh, verse 14, and the Word became flesh, and we beheld the glory of the only begotten full of grace and truth. And, and you need to understand that the Word of the Lord, the prophecy that comes out of Jesus is the truth. In other words, Jesus is the final word on any subject. I am fully expected not to make friends this morning in this particular moment. Jesus is the final say on any subject. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. He says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in the time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, here it is, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds. In other words, Jesus in the Christ role of prophet is the final word on any subject. So the question you and I should continue to be asking is, what does Jesus say about this situation? Not what do I think, not what does our religion teach, what does our tradition teach, what does our denomination teach, no, no, no. What does Jesus say about my marriage? Okay, here we go. What, what does, when does Jesus say life begins? When does, what does Jesus say about honoring government? What does Jesus say about justice? What does Jesus say about righteousness? Here's one, you ready? What does Jesus say about gender? What does Jesus say about sex? What does Jesus say about money? What does Jesus say about mission? What does Jesus say about my identity? Watch this. Because Christ is the prophetic statement of God himself about those particular subjects. And any other opinion is an unnecessary opinion because this is the way, this is the truth, and this is the life. And what he says about the situation, it has nothing to do with my preference or my opinion. What God says about my money, what God says about my 
my marriage, what God says about my, my own perspectives, what God says about my identity. Those are the final statements about what it is. And it's interesting to me, he's usually the last person we go to find out what he thinks. He's usually the last opinion we want because most often his opinion is equated opposite of our preference. But when you understand he has been anointed to be the thus saith the Lord about any given subject, this is why increasingly this will become hate speech. Hear me. This will increasingly be, oh God, here we go. If they are going to attack a potato, Come on, and I'm not talking about a, oh God, a Democratic party or a Democratic president. This is about a spirit in our nation. This is not about who won and who lost or who's about to win. It's not about any of that. If you see that, you're missing the spirit. So this is the final authority because he, Christ is the prophecy. He is the word of God that is the final say on any matter. Number two, Christ is our priest. They, not only were they anointed to be prophets, they were also anointed to become priests. I love this term because most people, when they think priest, they think Catholicism, their perspective of it. And, and it's close, especially as it relates to Old Testament, but you don't see a whole lot of Jesus in it. You see a whole lot of flesh in it, you don't see a whole lot of Jesus. But the word priest here, it literally means the role of mediator. Okay? In other words, Jesus is our mediator. We're so sinful that God can't be with us because he's so holy. Our sinfulness gets in the way of our access to his holiness. So he allowed Jesus to come in in the role of a priest to become our mediator. And watch this. Many people go to God, but they don't use the right door. God, I come to you right now, and I ask you to deal with my situation. Well, the problem is you don't have a mediator. You're so sinful and selfish. I'm so sinful. Let me use me because that'll make you feel better. I'm so sinful and I'm so selfish, even though you call me pastor, that I will pray according to my will, not his. So I'm so selfish and I'm so sinful that by the time I get into the presence of a holy God, I'm unworthy and the only thing I should really get is death. So Jesus comes in and says, don't look at him, look at me. Don't, don't look at him, look at me. And, and, and I got you, I got you, I got you. What he's trying to say. Come, yeah, yeah, here. What he really needs, Father. I know he deserves to die, but I'm his advocate. So don't look at him, look at me. I, oh, here we go. You ready? I was his, I redeemed him. I was the ransom. I paid the price for him. And now I know he's trying to talk, but I'm going to be his substitution. So that when you look at me, you'll hear him, but you'll see me. 
He's the mediator. He's the one that grabs the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man and creates the access point. Hear me. When you do not pray according to Jesus, you sabotage your own prayer life. This is why you hear so many people say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we come before you right now. Why? Because I have no right to him outside of my mediator. He's my priest. He's my advocate. He's the way. The only way I get to God is through the mediator. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, the anointed priest, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, in all things, he, throw it up there for me. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful High priest, in things pertaining to God, to make the propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, and he was able to aid those who were tempted. In other words, Jesus came down because the Father couldn't relate. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. He knows what you're going through, but he can't relate to it. The Father is so holy, and he is so full of truth that even if he tried to lie, it would turn into truth. Do you hear what I'm saying? That even if the Father tried to tell a lie, I hear people say all the time that that God can do anything. Well, there's a few things God can't do. He can't fail. He can't lie. Come on. Because even if he tried, because he is the author of all things, he would write a story around the thing. He he could not. So, So Jesus comes in and says, not only am I going to identify with you, I'm going to feel what you're feeling. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. For seeing that then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, watch this, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace by which we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In other words, Jesus is the mechanism by which a sinful humanity connects with a holy God. The only way we get to God is through the high priest. The high priest in the Old Testament, Messianic hope, he was only allowed to go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwelled one time a year. And it was for this express purpose of sacrificing for the sins of the people. This high priest was only allowed into the presence of the Lord one time a year. But you have an advocate You have a mediator. You have an anointed priest that is literally sitting at the right hand of the Father. And not only is he an advocate, he's an intercessor. So while he's telling God about your situation, he's also praying about you. Well, I just don't have anybody praying for me. You have the greatest prayer warrior praying to you, and not praying to you, but praying for you to the one who can change everything. 
Listen, this high priest knows how we feel. And this high priest sympathizes with us. Listen, the Father knows our pain, but Jesus has been through it. it. I was writing these notes. It's the difference between a male, a male doctor in a labor delivery room versus a midwife. He's got all the education. And he's got the experience, but he has no idea what it's like. He's been in the room, he understands the situation, and he is well-educated and equipped for that moment. But the issue is, if you're looking for him to understand what it is going on internally, there is no book there is no education. I don't care how many contraction massage things you put on his stomach. There's just something about a bowling ball. <laughs> that a man, thank you Jesus, can never understand. Every man in this room should be like, oh, praise your Lord. For where would it come from? There's an awkward moment for you. Make sure you listen. <laughs> because he is our prophet and he is our priest. Number three, Christ is also our king. Amen. Oh, he was anointed. Jesus was anointed king. He was, he was anointed king. Uh, the prophet Isaiah said, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That he is the king of every king. And he is the Lord of every Lord. He is the one who has the civic duty to rule on high. So let me just let him speak for himself in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Look at this. And then the seventh angel sounded. And, and the sound where there were loud voices of heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of our Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I need you to understand, he didn't stop reigning when COVID hit. He didn't start, stop reigning when Bush got elected. He didn't stop reigning when Obama got elected. He didn't stop reigning when Trump got elected. He didn't stop reigning when Biden got elected. He won't stop reigning when the next person gets elected. He won't stop reigning. He will, his, his kingdom will never end. And listen, they may get elected, but he has been born the king of every king and the Lord of every, and he is seated steadfast on his throne today. John chapter 18, verse 36, he says, what's his Pontius Pilate is trying to get him and, and work him? And he says, listen, my kingdom is not of this world. For if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would absolutely have fought so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you saying that you're a king? Jesus says, you, you daggum right I am. You dog, right? You daggone. That's country. That's, that's the CIV. That's the country. 
international version. You daggum right I'm a king. He says, you're rightly for that I am a king. For this cause I was born. I was born to be a king. And for this cause I have come. I came to be a king. And that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And I just want you to know today, he's still the king. He's still on the throne. He's still in charge. The earth is still the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The fullness thereof. He's still the king. There's this thing that happened in our, um, when, when Obama became president. And listen, I'm just going to let you know, it, it's no holds bar for me anymore. I'm just letting you know. If we're ever going to attack this bigotry and this racism in our nation, the people who know the truth, the ones who are in the light, who are in the beloved, can't be afraid. We had this thing show up in the Obama era. That's not my president. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you posted it. It's not my president. Started in the Obama era. And then it grew exponentially when Trump showed up. Bunch of jerk. Hey, who's he think he? He's not my president. Everybody's saying he's racist. He's not my president. Come on. Come on. Don't amen me on one and not amen me on the other. And now it has exploded even more so with Biden. I want you to think about it. We, we make fun of a 70-something-year-old man falling up a set of stairs. And we laugh at it. If we didn't vote for him. But we sure did laugh when Trump slid down to. So, watch this. This statement right here. It is so, it is so anti-Bible. Let, let, let me help you right here. Here, here. Here's what people are communicating. Here's what some of us are communicating. What we're saying is, is we acknowledge the fact that he holds the position, but we're letting everyone know he will not rule over me. So we acknowledge your position, but even though you have that position, you have no authority in my life. I wonder how many people live their life going, Jesus is not my king. Oh, he is the king. He's just not my king. We, we, we acknowledge he has the power, but we live at odds with him to allow him to have the authority over our life. You, Jesus, you can have the title, but you're not going to help me make my decisions. You, you can have the title of king, but you can't have my ideology. You can have the title of king, but you're not going to help me make career decisions. You can have the title of king, but you're not going to get involved in my finances. You can have the title of king, but you're not going to tell me who to be with and how we get to be together. We, we will sing about you being king, but don't be messing with my love life. Come on. Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help somebody here. Uh, not, not affiliated with our church in this season right now. 
They're, they're, they want, <laughs> help me Jesus. They want to be spiritually married, but keep their tax benefits. Come on. So, so what we're saying is, I want you to be king, but I, I don't want to be inconvenienced. I wonder how many of us call him by his title, but we never allow him to function in his position. You are the prophet. You are the priest. You are the king. And I'm going to give you all those titles, but don't expect me to bend a knee. Oh, we still got it up there. Good. What? You ready? You're not my president, but I sure will take that stimulus check. He's not my president, but I'll take every daggum tax break I can get. I will deny you the position in my life, but I will take all the candy you can give me. And, and just in case you think I'm talking about Biden, Trump sent us a stimulus too. He's not my president. I sure did take that check. Biden's not my president, but I sure am going to cash that check. So we will take you in your position, but we will not allow you to function in it in our everyday life. So, so don't post it and cash it. I'm talking to my people. Come on now. I'm pastoring for a second. Because there's nowhere in Bible, even the wicked, and your definition, you can decide, but even the wicked people that were in authority, God still used. But I am sick to, help me, Holy Ghost, I am sick of looking at posts that are full of rebellion and anarchy and then still see you brag about the bailouts. So we'll let him bail us out, but he will. I'm not talking about the president. I'm talking about our king. We'll let you bail me out but you will not have that place in my life. Okay, in Colossians chapter 127, I know it's tight in here, but that's okay. God's helping you. God, I promise you, the Lord's speaking. And you're gonna feel better after you have lunch. I promise you, you're gonna feel better. <laughs> Colossians 127. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, that's you and me, which is Christ which is the prophet, the priest, and the king in you. The prophet, the priest, and the king. Here's the mystery of the riches of the glory. You ready? The prophet, the priest, the king in you. The hope of glory. That, that it is Christ, the prophet, the one anointed to be prophet, to be priest, and to be king that is in you. That is the hope of glory. In Philippians chapter 3. But what things were to gain to me that I counted loss for the prophet, the priest, and the king. 
Yet indeed, I also counted all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of the prophet, the priest, and the king, Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish so that I may gain more prophet, more priest, and more king. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. For I have been crucified with the prophet, the priest, and the king. Nevertheless, not I, but the prophet, the priest, and the king lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hang with me on this scripture here for a minute. He says, I've been crucified with the anointed one that has been prophet, the priest, and the king. In other words, the same crucifixion he went through, I now unify with. So he was crucified, and now I'm unifying myself with him. In other words, that, that right here, I'm crucifying with Christ so that Christ the prophet can be the final word over my life, so that Christ the priest can be touched with the feelings and allow me to have access to the Father, so that Christ the king may govern and lead my life, and all died with Jesus. Now... I no longer live, but the anointed priest, prophet, and king lives in me. So the life I live, I no longer live in the flesh. Although I'm in the flesh, it's really the prophet in me, the priest in me the king in me, if there's any hope for me. Now, y'all know I don't normally do this because I just believe this is a very holy place, but, but I decided to bring in, come on, Chris, let, let's go back to Psalm 18, um, especially the, the beginning. <clears throat> I, I brought in, those of you that know me, um, this is, you ready? A grande white mocha extra hot stirred. Now, my, my brother said to me, my older brother, it's really weird, but he said it, and I'm not going to tell you where it's from, from unless they want to help me build the sanctuary, um, but y'all can figure it out. And my brother, I, I always order a grande white mocha extra hot stirred, and it depends on the mood I'm in of whether I'll, it'll be whipped cream or not, hallelujah. And I, I was at the, this particular place this morning. And um, if you saw the beautification that went, in, went on on the outside this week, it's just been incredible. Um, Pastor Phil, Freedom Ministries from West Virginia, came in, did an incredible job. Incredible job. So they just let me hold the credit card. And that's a very smart thing to do, although I didn't want to hold it. And because uh, I'm cheap. Birds fly over my house going, cheap, cheap, cheap. That's stupid. It's funnier in my head. And so I was a little bit tired this morning. So I went in and I ordered a grande white mocha extra hot stirred. My brother told me a couple weeks ago, it was really strange. He said, you know, you are the, the drink you just ordered. 
I'm grande. White chocolate. And then it was extra hot, which that's the weird part for me. Like, did you just call me extra hot? You're my brother. That's weird. Like, I'm going to need you to calm down. We're not from Lumberton. waiting all week on that one. <laughs> Extra hot and stirred. He said, man, you are your drink. You are your drink. Grande white mocha, extra hot stirred. Well, this morning I was extra tired. So I said, please throw in an extra shot. Now, what this is, hang with me here because I know this is going to be juvenile, but the Lord really spoke to me this morning. Okay, and I needed him too. I ordered an extra shot, not of chocolate, because I'm tired. I don't need more chocolate. Where this drink starts is with the espresso. Now, some of y'all are coffee drinkers, and some of you drink your coffee straight black. You're weird on so many levels. I don't even understand, because it is the height of bitter. Okay. So, so I order this, and it starts out as an espresso, okay? Just straight, it's like potent coffee. But then they'll add in the white chocolate. They'll add in steamed milk, extra hot, please. But sometimes it will settle. So I always tell them to stir it so that it's mixed well. See, I can't drink. The espresso by itself is too bitter. And, and if all I did was push in the straight white chocolate, I'd be sick as a dog for how sweet it would be. Now, I could handle the milk. That, that wouldn't be bad. That's, that's okay. But what makes this awesome is when it gets all mixed together so that you can't tell what's the chocolate and what's the espresso. You can't tell what's the milk versus what's the chocolate versus what's the espresso. And in the season when I'm a little extra tired, I don't need more sweet. I need more of the substance of what this thing really is. You see, the substance of this thing is not the chocolate. The foundation of this thing is not even the milk. The foundation of this thing is the thing that gives me energy when I feel tired and allows me to have, an, to have the ability to focus when I'm fatigued. I could pop this lid and you could tell me, now separate what's the espresso versus what's the chocolate versus what's the milk. There is no way once it's put together that you can separate it again. Now, some of it may settle, but none of it can be completely separated. When I allow the prophet, the priest, and the king to become the foundation of my life, yes, it's me. I'm a little bit of white chocolate in there. I'm a little bit of milk in there. But the substance of where my energy comes from, the substance of where my focus comes from, that is the moment when I need a triple shot of Jesus, not just a... 
And once we get mixed in together, you can't separate. I can't tell you what's me and what's the prophecy of the Lord coming out of me. You can't tell the difference between what's me and what's the priest as the mediator for me. You can't tell the difference between what's me and the governing authority of the king of every king over my life. See, the problem is we take all the ingredients and we leave them separated. But the power of this vessel is when he lives in me and you can't see what's me and what's him. So I wasn't going to do this, but because I got a little, I got two minutes left. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. They don't have it on the screen. He's tapping me on the shoulder through this entire message. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he says, now, right now, you are the body of Christ. When Jesus left and ascended to become the advocate for you and me, Jesus left, but Christ stayed. The place where the anointing for prophet, for priest, and for king remained on the earth. And right now, you and I, if we have been crucified with Christ, we are now the ones that embody the prophet, the priest, and the king. The messianic hope, you remember? It was to declare the kingdom reign of the Messiah in the earth. You and I are now the ones who have been anointed to prophesy, to mediate, and to establish the governing rule of our king in the earth today. If the earth is in chaos, it's because the body of Christ has stopped prophesying, has stopped mediating, and has stopped ruling in the spirit realm. Jesus, the prophet, the priest, and the king leaves those positions to become our responsibilities. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the final say on any matter. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the mediator between a sinful humanity and a holy father. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the king who sits on the throne high and lifted up and the train of your robe can fill even this temple. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you said the same authority you had, you have now given unto the body of Christ. We receive your Lordship. We thank you for that anointing. In Jesus' name, just, just sit right there where you are. 
I hear the Lord saying it's time for somebody to begin to war with their prophecy. You've been declaring what's wrong, but that is not what Jesus is saying about that situation. I hear the Lord saying, you're stating the obvious in the natural, but I need you to see in the spirit realm and prophesy to dry bones to live. I hear the Lord saying, I've called you, I've anointed you to be an intercessor, a mediator. And the reason you're carrying these heart weights is because I'm building the spirit of intercession on the inside of you. It's not for you to complain about, it's for you to pray and intercede over. I hear the spirit of the living God say, take your place of authority. Stand in your place of authority. Come here, Vince. Stand in your place of authority. You are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. And I've blessed you to be a blessing. And those that will not receive the blessings shake the dust. your authority. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to unify this house with a spirit of unity, not a spirit of division, not a spirit of carnality, not a spirit of unhealth, but that this body that you have put together at 12615 Steel Creek Road and our online family that are a part of this house and this ministry and every church and every ministry that is connected and sitting under this leadership, I prophesy, I declare that we would be cities set upon a hill, that revival fire would burn, that the power of your presence and your spirit, that you would revive those that are weary and are heavy laden, that strength would come into their life because of the decree of God that sits on them and the authority of God that is being released into them in Jesus name. I pray that you would awaken a prayer life. Lord, that we would become the church mothers and fathers of the next generation that had power, that had authority, that had demonstration, oh God. That instead of us complaining about what we're missing, we would become the very thing we've been longing for. And it would all be rooted in the fact that you have the final say. You have the final say. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You have the final word. You have the final word over our health. You have the final word over our emotions. You have the final word over our relationships. You have the final word over our finances. You have the final word over our business. You have the final word over, you are the author and the finisher and you have the final say. In Jesus name. In Jesus' name. I want you to sing that verse. I love you. Come on, this is a scripture. Oh, Lord, my 
that's you, jump up on your feet. If that's you, jump up on your feet right here. message awesome. I am so glad that the word is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and Jesus is truly the Christ. That's right and you can be made alive again today. If you are in a dark place, if you feel like you're just dead inside, Jesus can bring you back to life. You can be born again and become part of the beloved. If you need to be saved today, all you've got to do is do what it says in Romans. You confess with your mouth and believe it in your heart. That makes you saved. So wherever you're at right now, just say a prayer. Say, God, I need you in my life. I know I'm a sinner. I confess that you are Lord and I want you to change me. That's all it takes. 
you're saved, you're part of the beloved, and you are ready to live a new life. And if you did that today, just comment down below, let us know, or email us, info at judachurch.org, and let us know so we can make contact with you and we can do this thing called life together. And if you are in the beloved, we wanna give you an opportunity to go ahead and give in your time and offering today. The Lord says that he would bless a cheerful giver, and you have the opportunity to do that in different ways today. That's right. If you want to uh, give today, you can just text the number that's on the bottom of the screen right now. Just text the dollar amount right to that number, or you can go to our app, our website, or you can mail us 12615 Steel Creek Road, Charlotte, North Carolina. There are many ways uh, that you can take the opportunity to give, and we don't want you to miss out on the blessing that comes along with that. Hey, Judah Church, if you've been coming here for a while or you've been watching online and you want to connect, your next step is to come to Growth Track. It meets for four weeks, Sunday mornings at 9.15 a.m. If you want more information, please go to judahchurch.org. We'd love to meet you. say goodbye today I just want to bless you with Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 11 may the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more than what you are and fulfill every promise that he's given you